Welcome, you're listening to the Leading Hope Podcast. My name is VJ Williams, here with my friend and pastor, Kevin Jack. Thank you for joining us and taking time out of your day to become a better leader. If you're new, we release a new episode every Wednesday. We would love for you to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Get that delivered every Wednesday morning. Also, share this on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And rate and review on Apple Podcasts. A few extra minutes will absolutely help get this podcast in the hands of so many more leaders just like you and visit leadinghope.online to get updates and find out more about the Leading Hope community. Kevin, we finish off the series Crafting a Vision Today. You've kind of hyped this one up for a minute. And so episode 155 is titled Our Vision process yeah it's not because like the content is brilliant no i just think this is like the what people want to know we got the this is like the flesh on the bones yeah like we've had the structure the this is what it actually looks like i'm excited uh, from my vantage point just so you know it's like i've been through this with you a couple times now yeah but it's nothing like seeing it on paper yeah how it all comes together talking about it piece by piece yeah which is really important and i want to be I, I think this is the one of the important things is to go I didn't necessarily start with this whole process. Yeah. I, I didn't walk into it and go, we're going to do this and then this and then this and then this. And then six months down the line, we'll have a vision. Right. Because so much of it is feel, but I did know the principles. Yeah. And so I was able to adapt this process. So I just want to walk you through. It's good. And all of this is on the uh, leading hope. Dot online. Dot online. <laughs> I didn't know my Instagram Website. handle either. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, don't think. Uh, yeah, we'll put this all out. You guys will have a direct link. Make sure you follow us on Instagram and Facebook to get that because that will have the actual yeah. link straight to the uh, information that you're talking about. So we have all the notes here, but I just want to walk you through. Okay, real simply. Hey, this is what our vision process is, and then yep. we'll be done for today. We're not going to spend super long because you already know the principles. So, um, so again, I would say just like, hey. Probably don't directly adopt this. If you've got questions, send it in. I'd be happy to answer anything we possibly can to help. Yeah. But we do want to resource you well. And so for us at Highland Park, this is what it looked like to create, to craft vision, the created ownership as we went through. So the first thing uh, was I knew we needed to create alignment. So that is step one for me was to create alignment. And that's the sense of we can't craft vision if we're not thinking the same yeah. or moving towards similar things. So... Part of that was like, this is mostly me. This was not an input piece. I just knew there were some basic things we need to be on the same page on. And I wrote in my notes, your backgrounds will be different, but if your values and thinking aren't aligned in some way, this is going to be incredibly difficult. So this is how I did that is I had some uh, clear teaching to our staff and our church as a whole on ministry philosophy. What I believe is at the core of ministry philosophy and work that into sermons, but especially with our paid staff team, I talked about that extensively in terms of what I believe worked. Um, I used the role to elevate things that I knew were essential to our process of guests, baptism, and serving. We talked, I forget what episode, on creating cultural symbols, okay? Yep. Creating things that people could rally around behind that they would attach meaning to the longer they're used. That's what we did, okay? We created these symbols that I knew would be a part of our process of guest baptism and serving. Uh, We set about with our staff team defining our discipleship process and with our board clarifying our church values. So all of these things are just things that helped further create alignment. And as we created alignment, we were already doing the work of eliminating 
illuminating other visions. Cool? Yep. So that was step one. Create alignment, and those are the pieces that we used. Step two for me on this, and this isn't, please don't hear this as like, and then once we had perfect alignment, I enlisted step two. Yeah. Okay? That's that's yeah. not really, it's kind of more two different practices. All throughout this, I was getting input. And here's how I got input. Uh, I got input initially before I ever arrived. I emailed every member of the board and every member of our staff team. And I just asked them three questions. What is working great? Are there any fires that need put out? That wasn't really for the vision casting process. That was just kind of so, not literal fires. <laughs> oh, metaphorical fires. There we go. Are there any fires that need put out? But then the most important piece for me as it came to vision is I asked them, what are your three month, one year and 10 year expectations? I still have all those answers. And I didn't view that as like, I'm for the three month, I really wanted to know what are the things they feel like I need to hit right away. Once we got to one year and 10 year, I didn't feel held to those expectations, but I was learning what people were thinking. So I knew where we needed to create alignment on different things. That makes sense? Yeah. I'm really sad I didn't get to participate in that. Oh, I'm sorry. That's all right. Well, um, I mean, Caleb, we were... did you get to participate in that? No, nope. he didn't either. Caleb either. Okay. Matt did. Matt did. Yeah. yeah. Max did. Yeah. How about that? Sorry. Well, you weren't here. Yeah, I know. I mean, you I'm were going to be I'm, here, but I'm you weren't. I'm sad. That doesn't mean that I'm... I'll send you an email okay. to ask the three-month, one-year, and ten-year expectations. Think, I think the important, thing to, to, <laughs> the important thing to say here, though, is that you didn't need everyone to cross the line in step one for you to begin step two. They didn't have to cross a finish line yes. uh, in your mind. Correct. You're ready enough to get into step two. So... For step one and two, and there's a step three on the vision group, yeah. view it as kind of a circular process. Yeah, I'm getting input. I'm clarifying teaching. I'm getting input because I, I, we said a couple episodes ago, the leader can say this is not the vision. One of the ways that you can say this is not the vision is not just saying this is not the vision, but you teach away from the vision. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yep. I, I said the vision. If you teach away from competing visions yeah. that you don't want to pursue. Okay. So um, so that was an initial thing. Email to everyone. I especially use the three-month, one-year, 10-year expectations. Um, there was a lot of casual things, conversations, lunches, breakfast that were so important. Hey, tell me about some of your most meaningful moments here at the church. Right. Tell me why you're involved in leadership at the church. Tell me what you hope to see at the church. Just kind of all those casual things. And you have to find a way of capturing those data points. Yeah. Because otherwise, just the coolest story is going to be the only one that sticks out to you, and you're going to miss you're going to miss seeing the themes that continuously arise that help sharpen your thinking. It's good. And then we did this really structured thing on getting input. Now, um, I am. There's going to be a lot of people who disagree with me on this. Okay. And I shared it earlier on the hey, you have to get as much input as you possibly can. I hate surveys. I hate them. Yeah. And don't find any real value in them. And that could just be arrogance. It could be something else. I can get far more out of a conversation than I do out of a survey. And I know some people who love them and use them well. That's just, that's personal. So I'm, I'm not going to say- All surveys? I, I don't love them. Okay. I don't. How just, do you, how do you, would you get a, like- I, no one's going to disagree with what you said with, I get far more out of a conversation. How do you have a conversation with 7,000 people? Well, I'm, I'm going to tell you how you can have a conversation with about a hundred people. Okay. But if I can say it is like some people will want to, at this point in the process, throw out a survey 
And I've seen people do it and they say how helpful it is. Interesting. I, I just think when I'm filling out a survey, here's the, this is the cynical part of me. Okay. Yeah. So this is my Achilles heel. I'm aware of that. But when I'm filling out a survey, you're I'm thinking, yep. <laughs> you're just going down. Oh, I'm going to give them that one. It, well, I, I, I go, well, this, cra- this question is already crafted to elicit this answer. Sure. Yeah. I always feel like the survey is leading me. Yeah. And then it makes me not want to participate. And then I usually view surveys not as a spot where people can voice the strengths that need to be built upon. They just identify the weaknesses, which can't be built upon. Yeah. Like you can eliminate weaknesses, but you can't build upon it. So as it comes to vision, I just personally have not found surveys that helpful. Fair. But you may look at this and you may go, if I'm going to get that much input, I need to do survey. Cool. Yes. Go for it. Yeah. But this is how I got the lots of input is we crafted a listening experience. Okay. This was my structured way of going about it. And this is what we did is we invited about 70, of the key leaders in the church. I didn't identify this list cause I had no idea who they were. Other people identify them. And I want to say like the most, but like people who were making a significant impact in different ministry areas right. who were li- relied upon in whose voice people were hearing from already. Okay. Yeah. There's a lot of people who I would have loved to invited who we weren't able to just because of group size. Uh, but what we did is we split them up in four groups and we, uh, we gave them real, no, um, real heads up as to what was happening. We said, you're going to go on an interactive field trip. Interactive. So we were like, what on earth is going on? So we split them up in four groups and we have four locations that they could go to. And so the four locations, uh, we took them to a closed down business, to an empty field. We took them outside a high school football game and we took them to another like ministry, like faith-based ministry. And so like you're in four groups, group one goes to spot one, group two, spot two. And then when they're done with the conversation, they all shift to the next one. Okay. Yep. So they're moving around, driving around. And here's the questions that we asked. We went to the closed business. And again, these are in the notes, went to the closed business. There was someone who was there at the spot and they said, as soon as everyone's assembled, businesses close all the time. And so do churches. Some churches even stay open while being functionally closed because they're no longer accomplishing their mission. If we were to close, Why would that be? Yeah. And then someone's there with a notepad and they have 20 minutes to talk. If we were to close, why would that be? We go to the empty field. Imagine we were starting all over again. What would we do? What would we do different outside a high school football game? If we were going to reach all these people, what would we do? How would we go about reaching all these people? And then to another ministry, what would we do if we had unlimited resources and what would we do if we had no resources? And the, the conversation in this, what I was looking for, is that it would begin to cultivate the imagination within the congregation as to what does the future look like. Mm. I knew if we just started out, all right, let's craft a vision, we would have a false start. Because we hadn't already stirred those thoughts, those prayers, those dreams at a deeper level. And so that's how we went about it. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Keep going. What 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 Pause. part of that? Yeah, let's what part of that uh had had you done before that you did differently and how do you feel like that was uh the result, the uh, outcome that you were looking for from it? Yeah, um so I'd done it once as part of our church plant and I did it in my like last like 3 months there as an exercise to give data to my successor. Okay. So uh, 
it was interesting because when I went through it, I already knew I was going to be leaving, even though other people didn't know I was going to be leaving. And I wanted to set him up with people already dreaming about the future because we had already crossed some significant milestones. Yeah. And for him to be able to have access to that information so he knew exactly what the heart of the people was at the time. Yeah. So it was very different because here I used it as a cultivation piece. We never did this at Be Hope. Right. But at the end of the day, for, for both scenarios, the you had very specific outcome. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So that's that, uh, just sharing with you. That's how I got input. That's how I went about it. And then the last one was the vision group. Okay. So we've clarified. We've like created alignment in our thinking. We've gotten input. We've circled through those pieces. And then we actually had a group that was, hey, it is your responsibility, your task to set the vision. And so you've got to figure out who that group is. Uh, for me, it was our church board. It was not our staff. And I think our staff would have done a wonderful job of it. And I think they would have been amazing at it. And it might have even been easier because we spend a lot more time together than the board does. But I really view for churches that the board was the longevity for the church. That these were the people who had seen changes in pastors. They'd been there longer than almost all of our staff. And so I just really felt like this was the right crew and that they had the skill that was needed in order to do it. So here is how we went about the day is first off in prep is I outlined to them the process like two months in. I was starting to share, hey, we need our values in place. We need our discipleship strategy in place. We need these other pieces. We're going to do a listening experience and then we're going to be able to set the vision. I didn't know exactly how we were going to go about values and discipleship process, but I knew these were pieces in alignment that we needed before we were actually going to go about it. So they were aware that this is coming. Yeah. So they got like four months yeah. to begin thinking about it and four months to voice some things that I could either affirm or teach our way out of. To go, no, no, not that. Um, the second thing I did is I prepared a report from the listening experience, okay? So I took all that data from the listening experience and I wrote down in three categories, what are the issues that need addressed? So they knew that I had heard the people who were there and many of them we did address right away. Second category was here's the heart of our church. It was just, here's the themes that I kept seeing over and over again. Here's the things that almost verbatim people kept talking about over and over again. And then here's some key opportunities. The most important one was the heart of our church. These are the things that our people deeply care about. And then we set aside a whole day. I kind of gave them the opportunity. Hey, we could tackle this uh, four months in a row, an hour and a half at a time. Or we could just set aside a whole day and just get it all done at once. Yeah. And that group was like, let's just do it all in a day. And I was like, thank you, Jesus, <laughs> because trying to do it over the course of four meetings would have been awful because we would have to kept restarting the process. <laughs> and so um, so this is how the day went is I had some starter questions prepped. OK, so I come in. I've got four questions already that I know I want us to answer. First one is I ask them and I've got we're in a room. We're in a circle. I've got the uh, what is it called? The like massive post-it notes. Like yeah. they're not passive massive yeah. post-it notes. Like sticky, sticky, sticky pad. Yeah. Sure. Big one. Poster board. Big poster board. Sticky, sticky pad. <laughs> Somebody at 3M right now is just cringing and crying and they're Big like, it's a failure of branding. I have no idea what it is. Big thing you can write on and stick on the wall. Yeah. Okay. We had those. And so here was the first question. What was one of your most meaningful experiences in church? 
we go around the room. The goal of this was really to build empathy in the group and to create some commonality and sharing. I wanted to ask a really low risk question right at the beginning to ensure that everyone had started talking. It's hard to start talking in a group conversation. So I had to make sure that happened. This is the only time that I made us go around the circle and everyone share. But I wrote down the answers. What was one of your most meaningful experiences in church? And this also helped me see what did people care about? Second yeah. question, what were some of your thoughts on the heart of our church report? That report that I said I took from the listening experience, that key section at the in the middle of the heart of our church. I just say, hey, what did you think of that? Well, any comments? And I wrote down their observations and comments. I agree with this, I agree with this. Yes, I believe this should also be there. And then the third question I asked is what should we not pursue? What should we be sure that we don't accomplish if we don't have a vision? And I wrote at the top of this paper, I just put, not this. <laughs> what would we not want to be? Now, I want to be clear. I'd already been aware of that for weeks. Right. And I've already spoken to that extensively. This is not who we are. And so the first couple of things were some of the things I've been teaching on. We're not a church for church people. Right. We're not this. And it was like, oh man, it's so refreshing. Yes, we believe in these things. Right. But there was so much more that was added to it that made the rest of the process so much easier. Say, this is not what we care about. And then um, this was the hardest one. As I said, what could we accomplish in 20 years? And I titled it this. And this is what always happens. So if I could just prep you for this, is like the first thing was, uh, oh, we could uh, fix all the holes in our discipleship process. So, cool. We could do that in six months. <laughs> I wrote it down and I wrote six months. Yeah. What could we accomplish in 20 years? Right. And every single time someone gave something that we could have done in less than a year, I wrote it down, but I also put a date on it. Yeah. Awesome. We could do that in a month because <laughs> it's hard to think. And I just said, this is not, this is low risk. I'm not, I'm not asking you what should we accomplish. Right just what could to stretch our thinking. Okay, so that gave us a framework. I've got those four big posties up on the board. And then the next thing I did is I broke us out into groups because that's where it starts to get hard. Now yeah. you're starting to actually go through, what is this? So I broke us out into groups of three or four. Uh, we had four different groups. And I, I wanted us to think more functional because again, long-term, that's hard. So I wanted to think more functional. And I gave them these questions one at a time. I said, first off, what two to three projects or focus points do you believe we should focus on over the next decade? Give them like 10 minutes. I don't want to give people lots of time because if they have lots of time, they'll think that it needs to be perfect. So I want to give them quick time so I'm getting quick answers. What two to three projects or focus points do you think we should have over the next decade? And then the next question was, why? <laughs> What is the result of those? What is the result or outcome of those projects? Yeah. That is, if I could just share, that question is gold. Yep. <laughs> like that piece right there. Because if you just said, what's the vision over the next 10 years, that's really hard. People think in terms of projects, but once you have those projects, you can ask, why does this matter so much? And they put those right there. Okay. So now group share, we've got a list. And then I'm breaking it down even further. I said, all right, by yourself, you have five minutes. Yeah. I want you to write down in two to three sentences, what do you think we must accomplish? What do you absolutely think we must accomplish? And then everybody shared them. I write them all down. And then I went through that last piece that we talked about in the last one. Problem, Yep. focus, metric, inspiration. 
I asked it this way. What are we seeking to do? Why are we seeking to do it? How will we measure it? What is the impact of it? What are we seeking to do? Why are we seeking to do it? How will we measure it? What is the impact of it? Yep. But, I, but I clarified, hey, it's problem, focus, metric, inspiration. And then the fun thing was, and then we've got all this stuff on the board and it's already actually become really clear. It's just a mess because it's everywhere. Sure. I sent everyone to lunch. I took every single word of our vision is something that someone in that group said. Not a single word was mine. Right. But I'm able to consolidate and I've already got that framework. Here's how we define the problem. Here's our focus point. Here's our metric and here's the inspiration. And by then we were able to construct, hey, here's the vision. Here's what we're going after. Here's what matters so much. Yep. That's it. It's the process. That's the process. And now you're in the mention of uh, refinement. You want to hear it? Great. Yeah. Let's let's hear the, hear the right. vision. Here's the vision. Uh, if you've never heard it before, now you're hearing it. You, you may hear it, but it, between like now and when we share this with our whole church, it'll get refined. Yeah. Okay. There's some language pieces off, but I just want to say it as a whole. Uh, we seek to reshape the perception of the church's relevance by becoming the first place people look to for identity, community, and help. We will be a church that is obsessed with the one focused on reaching the nuns, duns, and ums with the good news of Jesus, a church who feels such urgency to help others claim their divine purpose that our comfort no longer factors into the equation. That's the problem. Focus. The life of our church is the activated faith of every individual. We will always call people to a step forward toward Jesus, believing that everyone has gifting and calling upon their life, regardless of their current starting point. We seek to connect people to the bigger thing that God is doing by leading them from serving while being discipled to discipling while serving. Mm. We will build a foundation of faith through scripture that people can always rely upon a springboard for their future calling. That's focus. Here's metric. Our call is to transform our communities, building the leaders and shaping the system so that our communities would look more like God's kingdom than it does today. Our commitment is to engage 1% of Lakeland in active ministry and to celebrate the baptism of 3,571 people by the end of this decade. That number may change. We're still working on that. While we begin in our neighborhoods, we will not allow our current address to define our future footprint. We seek to continuously make a greater impact through helping other churches, deploying leaders, expanding online, and planting campuses. This is church. Grace that is not devoid of truth. This is church, an intergenerational community that swims against the current of prolonged adolescence. This is church, a people humbled and emptied so that we will love as God loves. This is church, so healthy that the gospel is irresistible. We are not a cruise ship. We are a battleship. We are the church. Yeah! Mm. Fired up. If you have questions about the process, make sure you reach out to Leading Hope. Uh, man, we're so grateful that you're here today. I don't, I'm blown away by that. I don't have anything else to say. You know all the stuff. Share it. Find somebody. Tell them about this podcast. We're so grateful for you. See you next time. Remember, everyone has 20 minutes to learn to become mm -hmm. a better leader. Make it count. Bye.